Heart-Centered Sales Leader Podcast, your one-stop shop for building client relationships, scaling your business, and ultimately growing your income. When you are looking for your next step in personal and financial growth, we've got you covered. With your host, number one international best-selling author and heart-centered sales expert, Connie Whitman. Welcome to the Heart-Centered Sales Leader Podcast on webtalkradio.net. I'm your Heart-Centered Sales Leader and host, Connie Whitman. So thanks for joining us today. Now, I hope every week as you tune in that you feel my mission that I am going to change that word sales. That's this icky, sleazy thing that I really want you to change that paradigm of thinking so that you're coming from a place of love, care, and respect. And as soon as we deviate from that, we're doing it wrong. Now, to help you on your mindset journey to do that little paradigm shift on my website, WhitmanAssos.com slash CSA, I have my free communication style assessment that my partner and I have developed. It gives you insight into your superpowers, but it also gives you insight into your blind spots. And guess what? We all have blind spots. So again, take it, WhitmanAssos.com slash CSA, free, check it out, and maybe learn something new about yourself. My motivational quote today is by John Maxwell, and John says, leaders become great not because of their power, but because of their ability to empower others. Now, when you think of the word leadership, what comes to your mind? Is it about having earned a title of, you know, senior vice president, SVP, EVP, CEO, or is it more about my quote? of empowering others. Now, effective leadership is certainly more important now than ever with COVID and and just the changes that are happening globally. Well, today I'm super excited to share my amazing guest and friend, uh, James Vaccaro, uh, with you. Now, Jim is the chairman, uh, president, and CEO of Manasquam Bank. It's a $1.9 billion mutual bank, uh, and it was founded in 1874, so the folks there are doing something right to be around for so long. Now, the majority of Jim's career has been as a leader within the banking profession um, with more than 35 years of experience um, in the industry. Now, a leader, he's also a leader in both civic and philanthropic organizations, and Jim is the uh, the member of the board of trustees of RWJ Barnabas Health, it's the hospitals around here, and a member of the board um, and former chairman of Monmouth Medical, again, a local hospital. He is also a member and board of trustees of Monmouth University, where I got my MBA, and he is the past chair of and the board of directors of the New Jersey Bankers Association, and he still remains on that board. He does a lot out there. Okay, in 2013, Jim was the recipient of. But there's wait, but wait, there's more, right? The Jim, the commercial, but wait, there's more. 2013, Jim was the recipient of the Monmouth University Distinguished Business Leaders Award, and in 2007, the Long Branch Chamber of Commerce honored Jim with the Louis Lubetti. I don't know if I said that right. Community Service Award. I can go on and on. He's amazing. We have him here today, and I'm really excited to get to share him with you. So. So Jim, thanks so much for coming on. I, I do know you're busy. Connie, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all the wonderful work that you do in the marketplace. And Connie has uh, been kind enough to partner with our organization. Yeah. We're sort of at the beginnings of a journey, and it's going to be a long journey, as life is, particularly in the professional field. So we look forward to coming out at the other end of this and moving yeah. forward with this and continue to engage and build the culture of this wonderful place that I have 
the privilege of leading called Manasquan Bank. Yeah, and, and so, Jim, my first question, and and the, I, my listeners are going to love this. Now, you'd never call yourself when, when you know, I've been in, in events with you and they introduce you, and he never says he's the CEO. How do you usually introduce yourself? Because I love it. So a couple different ways. One, one is I always talk up to myself as the chief evangelist. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the person who really needs to carry the baton for the organization. And again, I have the privilege of being the spokesperson. I, I also remember when I was first hired a number of years ago, I talked to the chairman of the board at the time and I said, I'm also the chief discomfort officer. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is that um, I never want to get comfortable in my job. I think that discomfort is the one, a, a great way to start each and every day. It opens up a whole lot of different opportunities because I think if you become too comfortable, you become complacent and complacency breeds mediocrity. And unfortunately, I think there's been a um, industries and, and particularly financial services industries has sort of devolved to mediocrity. And at Mascon Bank, we will never settle for mediocrity. We try continuous improvement each and every day. I always tell everybody, I wake up every morning with a blank canvas and let's figure out if we can reinvent ourselves. Yeah, it's true. You know, the song Natasha Bedingfield, tomorrow's unwritten. So, you know, even if you messed up today or you didn't, you weren't your best, you weren't feeling well, whatever it is, tomorrow's unwritten and you could do a better job. And I love how you said we settle for that mediocrity. Um, good truly is the enemy of great because, you know, things are good. I'm not going to do anything to change because things are good. As soon as things get uncomfortable or bad, right, if you want to use the negative word, but as soon as things become uncomfortable or they're not working the way I want them to, I got to change something. That's when we try to change and become better. Why can't we become better every day? That's, that's the dis, and I love the discomfort one is the one that I've heard you use. And it makes me giggle, but on the same token, I think, yeah, man, he gets it. As soon as you feel discomfort, you're growing. You're becoming better. You're servicing your clients better. You're becoming a better employee, whatever. So I love that. The discomfort officer. That was the one for me. Um, I'm glad you, you shared it. Now, n another question. Why do you think truly as the CEO of an organization, why do you think it's key to be part of the culture or, or develop the culture of the organization and do it without micromanaging? So create the culture but not be like, do this, do this, do this. Talk about that for us. So, so to a great degree, my job is to set the tone of the organization. And then what we need to do is build competencies throughout every single portion of the organization mm -hmm. and then empower people to make good, effective decisions. Mm -hmm. And so, the, you know, um, I'm going to steal thunder from a bank that no longer exists, but almost to the point where it says it takes – um, two people to say no and only one to say yes. So people in the industry, in the financial service industry, are fearful of making a mistake. And I always tell them, it's, life's not defined of the mistake you make. It's how you respond to it. That's right. And so we need to make sure we empower people to make good decisions for the benefit of the organization and for the benefit of our stakeholders. And we always define our stakeholders as our depositors, our borrowers, our communities at large, and our employees. Absolutely. And if you look at that as the, the greater good, the larger community of who we are when we define who uh, the organization, I think if you make your decisions and we empower people 
to be able to make a positive impact in the organization and then recognize that impact and give them the latitude to do that, that makes sense. The worst thing I ever hear, and you hear it all the time, particularly in the bank industry, industry we do it that way because we've always done it that way. <laughs> that is the absolute worst answer. That tells me that you have no creativity, you have no imagination, and when I don't want that's that, you know, that's not the kind of uh, leader that we're trying to nurture with this in organization, within this organization. Yeah, you just made me think of a funny story. We've always done it that way. There's a story that it was a holiday and the mom is in the kitchen making a ham and she cuts the front of the ham and the back of the ham, puts it in the pan, puts it in the oven. And the daughter, the young daughter, says to the mom, why do you cut the sides of the ham? And the daughter says, I don't know. Go ask your grandmother. And so the little girl goes in and says to the grandmother, mom said that, you you know, she cuts the front of the ham and the back of the ham. Why? The grandmother says, I don't know. Go ask great grandma. So the little girl goes over to great grandma and says, you know, mom didn't cut in the front of the back of the ham. Why did you do that? The, grand, the great grandmother says, oh, because my pan was too small. <laughs> It's a great story. It's exactly what you're saying. We've always well, done it that way. There's no doubt. About a, a number of years ago, I started a strategic planning process, and and I gave it a title. And the title was "Unlock the Pens." And everybody said, "What does that mean? Unlock the pens?" So I said, "You know, it was a number of years ago. I was given a tour of one of our brain, uh, banking facilities, one of our branches, to a bunch of fifth graders, um, and." You know, I showed them the teller count and we showed them the vault and we showed them everything. And after I said, any questions, the little boy in the back raises his hand. He said, I have a question. I said, yes. He said, how come the vault is open, but the pens are locked? Um, so think about that. Just, just, just think about the imagery of that. The vault is open, but we have chains on all the pens so nobody can take them. And that's the mindset of a traditional financial institution. So the whole idea of unlocking the pens, unlocking the potential, make people think, give them the opportunity, give them the tools so they, they can succeed. So unlocking the pens is sort of the, the symbolism of having this boundaryless society that we should be living in. Awesome story. So what did you do with the pens? <laughs> so, so, I, so I took a clipper and I unlocked the pens and I said, every single one of those pens has our name on it. I can't tell you the value of them getting a thousand of those things into the marketplace. Simple little shift. And see, it's those aha moments like, yeah. why didn't we do that sooner? Because yeah, we always did it this way. Lock the pens. We've always locked the pens, which is so funny because they're what, like two cents? Yeah, Whatever. we have to lock the pens, but yes. the vault is open. See, yeah. and that's, Jim, I'm cracking up too because I, you know, I love kids, right? From the mouths of babes. Oh, comes sure. the truth. And we, we just have to stop and listen. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. So you mentioned that you're about empowerment, right? And dispersing that authority and the decision making within Manasquan Bank. How do you do that without micromanaging? Um, so what I do is I tell each of our managers and each of our people, look, you, you manage your own discrete business. Understand mm -hmm. that your decisions have an influence on everybody else in the organization. So here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about when you make a decision, just think about how it influences the organization in your department, but also throughout the organization. I will back you up. If you need some advice, come in, let's talk about it. But, but you need to make that decision and you need to understand 
the risk reward of that decision. So the entire thought process. So if I tell you what to do, you never have to think about what to do. If I tell you what to do, you never have to think about the risks and or the rewards of what you're doing. What I want you to do is I want you to independently think about that. You're all very smart people. You all know what the what the goal is for the organization. Um, in fact, in the most recent uh, iteration of our strategic plan, the goal is pretty simple. It is a critical balance between mission and metrics. So mission drives metrics. The mission of this organization is to be the best community banking enterprise that anybody has ever seen from a customer service perspective, from a reputation perspective, from a branding perspective. And then what we need to do is we need to make sure that we adopt all fiscal fiscally responsible um, policies to make sure we can deliver on that promise. And, and you, each of you as managers and each of you as supervisors have the authority to do that. Simple. It's, it's not rocket science. I measure my productivity as to how many interruptions I have during the day of people coming in because it's an open door policy. They know that at any given point in the day, they can come in and talk to me. I'm not going to necessarily, I'm not going to tell them what to do, but I may guide them. Yeah, get them to think because, but but isn't that an important component of the puzzle? You know, it's like the story. If I go and I fish for you and I feed you, right. when I die, who's who's feeding you? You have to teach people how to go out and fish, right? That's that's the important piece. It was funny, you know, you were saying that customer service, right? And and I said that in the intro or at the beginning of our conversation. If we don't have customers, right, we we don't exist, right? Your business is going to fold up, and what you know the journey that we're on uh, to some extent together or my piece of the puzzle within your strategic plan at the end of the day every client that's or prospect that sits in front of you i call them the objectionless buyer they sure. want to they 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 have a need they want to buy you the individual have to have the skills the wherewithal the brains the connection that humanness to break through and there's five logical barriers if i give you the key you become i become the master key and i unlock all five of those doors at the end the objectionless buyers waiting for me we have to deliver those tools to help people unlock the door and that's what you do in essence with the leadership piece here Every one of you, and, and here's the other thing I just want to share with everyone, Jim. People are clamoring to work in Jim's bank, in Manasquam Bank. So why, why is that the reputation, you know, here in New Jersey? Um, because it's that empowerment, that leadership. So he's saying, you're here, and I'm going to empower you to unlock the key to become the best leader you can be. That's part of that strategic plan um, that you're, you're unfolding this year. It, it, it's simple. And yet it's not right. Jim. You know what I mean? It's very simple. And um, so not only that, Connie, so we always tell our people, every one of my colleagues, I tell them that um, you need to treat your customers with dignity, respect and professionalism. hundred percent. And I also tell my customers, you need to treat each and every one of my colleagues with dignity, respect and professionalism. And, and I can tell you there's been more than a handful of times where I felt that our employees were being abused by customers. And I get on the phone and I say, we very much appreciate your business, but let me tell you, we're terminating our relationship because yep. that's not the way we operate. That's not the way we treat you. And that's not our expectation of how you treat our people. And, th and that's just sincere because that's the way people should be treated. Absolutely. When, when every one of my 220 or 210 colleagues knows that I have their back on those kinds of things, 
it, it, it just again, it's part of that empowerment makes them feel good, makes them understand that we are there to protect them as much as anything else. And look, they, they spend a lot of time here. They probably spend more time here than they do at home. I bet. So if we so if we can create an environment that's nurturing, one that's educational, one that's supporting, one that's empowering, one that's engaging, one that recognizes um, their contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what else? And, and then one that understands uh, what their aspirations are. It's interesting, again, because not that long ago, um, one, of, one of the people you're dealing with directly, I sat down with her maybe five or six years ago and I said, what do you want, where do you want to be in five years? And she said, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. Nobody's ever asked me that before. <sighs> and so that's really the question. Where do you, what do you want to do in five years? And sometimes I'll tell people, you know what? You've outgrown us. And that's the best compliment I could ever get. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think that we're afraid to have those conversations as if I can't deliver what you might need. Where really people, people want to be heard, Jen, right? They want, they want to be, and I love it. You said valued. And the other thing I just want to step back when you said that you hold your customers accountable. And I think that's really important as well. Because we, right, my my intro said, if you're coming from the sleazy part, you're doing it wrong. You should be coming from love, care, and respect. But you have to respect yourself as well. And you have to hold people accountable to not treat you disrespectfully because, you know what, it's crap. We shouldn't have to take that kind of behavior. So kudos to you that... See, but this is why you're my, you're my people, right? In my brain, my heart centered sales leader podcast, because I'm heart centered. You're heart centered. And we think that saying that and that vulnerability makes us weak leaders. And the, the opposite is true. It makes you the, one of the most powerful leaders I think we have in, in New Jersey as far as the banks go, right? I, I know New Jersey marketplace. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. No, I appreciate it very much. So, so one of the other things that we do. So. I'll give you another example. Well, um, so Universal Banker, we used to call them tellers. We call them Universal Bankers. They're wonderful people. Front line. They really make a very big difference. Face of the franchise. Yeah. There are times There are times where a customer comes and says, I'd like to do this. And, they'll, and, and that Universal Banker will say, no, I can't do it. And then that customer may call and call me, which is fine. And I look at it and I occasionally, rarely will say, that's okay. And I'll call the teller and, I'll, and the Universal Banker will say, that's okay. And I also tell the customer, you need to call that universal banker before I say it's okay and tell them, thank you for doing your job. And and my explanation to that person is that you understand the transaction. My job is to understand the relationship. Yes. So there's sometimes that the relationship decision will override the transaction decision. That's not and that's not your responsibility. That's mine. That's right. I just want to say thank you for doing your job. Yeah. Because they're protecting the client at the end from fraud or whatever it is. They have very, they have a very serious job. Yep. (laughs) Right. So this year you're starting this huge objective within your organization. You're really, really digging in and defining that culture expectations and really leveling the playing field and empowering your team. I think to the highest level. Why do you think this is so important for you, you as the bank? But why now? What was there something pivotal for you? I think uh, two things. One is it's really going to define who we are for the foreseeable future. I don't know if that's the next 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever that may be. It's really going to define define who we are. Why, why now? I think that um, a lot of this was organic. We did it internally. 
we're at a place where we need to get to the next level. And we understand that there is wonderful professional expertise in the marketplace to help us get there. You know, it's two years in a row we were voted the 43rd best bank to work for in the country. We're extraordinarily proud of that. But that's not good enough. That means there's 43, 42 imposters ahead of us that we're going to have to catch up with um, in some fashion. So so we wrecked. So one of the things that that we're smart enough to know, we're smart enough to know what we know and smart enough to know when we need professional assistance. So what we did is we went out and sought out the best of the best. And I have the opportunity to speak with one of those people right now. Oh, oh, Jim. And I didn't even pay him to say that. Thank you. I love you for saying that. And again, though, it goes back to what I said about the heart centered, right? I resonate with you. You resonate with me because I don't take every client on. If if philosophically they're not coming from the same values that I have for my life, I, d- I can't do business with people like that because it's just off. And then they're not going to get the best of me because I, I feel like I'm lying to their their employees. And that's just not a good place to start. So I want to. It's about being genuine. I 100 percent. Being yourself. Yeah. You know, I talked to I, I talked to Cindy uh, last week. We had after the first two days. I called her that night and I said, just how things go. I just, you know, I'm curious, to, did it go well? She wrote me an email and said, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Nobody, no CEOs ever called me the day after our first training class and asked me how things went. Well, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, so, so a lot of people hire people and say, okay, now it's yours, right? And you need to move forward. It's doomed for failure. It is. It's ours. It is. We'll figure it out together. The roadmap is one that's going to have a lot of forks in it. And, you know, we may not always take the right one. And sometimes the greatest lessons that we learn are by taking the wrong one and, you know, refocusing our desti- on, on our destination. Yeah, it's fail- that failing forward, right? If you learn from it, it wasn't really the wrong turn because yeah. you learned some- price something priceless from that event. Right. It was funny, Jim, and I'll just share with everyone. Uh, Cindy Rowan is a colleague. She's doing the leadership piece, and I'm doing the service sales piece uh, for Manusquam Bank this year. And I'm going to make you laugh. So that night, Cindy called me, and I knew she had trained, you know, at your bank starting the process. And I said, is everything okay? And she said, Jim called me. And I go, is everything okay? Like, did we totally mess up, you know, what we're delivering? She said, no. She was, she was shocked, by the way. She said, no. He called me because he wanted to see how it went. And did we need anything from him? I'm like, God, we need to clone that man. <laughs> Honest to God, that was the conversation. But I want to go. But yeah, natural to call her, find out. I but but see that's for you. It's natural, but most aren't out there. And the other thing you said that I want to circle back to that you made me kind of giggle inside. There were forty-two imposters in front of us. We're like we're catching up to you. There's no doubt in my mind. This is last man standing. I, I love it. I love it. But here's again, you know, being serious. To chip away and get to, you know, the B number one is, is your, is part of the matrix because I do believe we have, we put things in motion, change behaviors and all those things, right? What's the result though? We have to get it. We have to get the result at the end. So I love these little tangible things that most companies would say, we could never be number one. Why not? You can if you do it logically and you empower and you teach and you grow and you make people uncomfortable. All the things we're talking about, why can't you become number one? I love it. I think it's a great destination. No doubt. 
Yeah, and I'm going to help you get there. Um, okay, so now we, we also talked about your bank being the literally, guys, people are clamoring uh, to get into the bank. And you have to truly know someone because if, as soon as a position's open, you have 10 people that are quality people that could step into those positions. So it's not like um, I'm saying falsehoods here. But why do you think that that level of employee retention and again, that desire, the word on the street that you're, you're such a great bank. What do you, what do you think? Take it from the perspective. How can other people, other CEOs, executives, for instance, listening, how can they get their organization to be the one clamoring and to ha- say, we have our sights on number one? What, what do you think that was, was the magic for you? I think, I think the, the overall creation of an environment where people can make a positive impact. And be recognized for that impact and rewarded for that impact. You know, everybody likes an attaboy. I mean, and it's really very, very important. You know, I I walk, I I manage by walking around. I see everybody in this building every single day when they're here. Um, So so creating an environment where my job, to a great degree, is an equipment manager. I have to give them the equipment so they can succeed in the marketplace. Hmm. And then giving them the ability to make good decisions empower them, have it make, give them the ability to have a positive impact. And people want to feel good about what they do. And so if you create that environment that permeates throughout the organization, it's pretty simple because it's no longer just going to work from nine to five and picking up a paycheck. You not only pick, up, right. a, pick up a competitive paycheck, but you make a difference. And you feel good. And, and yeah. here's the other thing as humans, I think we want to be something bigger than ourselves. We want to make an impression. So whether sure. that's an impression on my team, right, as a leader, it, um, you're the teller, the universal banker, it's an impression on the customer that they walk out thinking, what would I have done? That person protected my assets or, you know, gave me such a good recommendation on how I can make more money to save for retirement or save on my mortgage, right? Like having each other's back, it, it just matters. And okay. it sounds, it sounds so simple and yet there's so much great like juice and and meat when we talk about having each other's back and empowerment i have a friend um he's a ceo in in maine of of a lumber company one Mm -hmm. of the oldest lumber companies um in the country hancock lumber but anyway about 10 years ago he got a voice disorder where literally jimmy couldn't speak so he speaks like like so it's very difficult. Well, and initially it was painful. Now he's the CEO. He's supposed to be making all the decisions. So people were coming to him and he was in so much pain. So he started saying, what do you think? What do you think? And he said, and miraculously what ended up happening is they were this subject matter experts of their division, whether it was shipping, handling, sales, whatever. And they would answer and he would think, well, that's a better answer than I would have given, right? He he kind of t- he was forced to take the step back to empower his his people. He's written a book called The Seventh Power. But here's the coolest part of the story. So that was ten years ago. So over the past ten years, he's truly shifted his whole organization structure to this disbursement of power. This past year, even with COVID, in that one year. He has made more, I'm sorry, the past decade, and the, the, the company's been around since the mid-1800s, I want to say. This past decade, since he's lost his voice, his company has made more than all of the other hundreds of years that the business has been in 
this isn't by accident, right? Now, for him, it was by accident because he had the disorder. But it's it's, it's the same concept of what you're yeah. saying. If we can empower... They're the subject matter experts. They know the customers by name. You do, too, because you're hands-on. But, right? Yeah. Why aren't we empowering them and dispersing the power? So when people come, when somebody comes to my office and says, I have a question, I said, I prefer that you came in with an answer. <laughs> um, seriously. Because I love it. Don't, don't use me as a crutch, right? So if you want to talk about it and talk through it, that's fine. Um, but... But, you know, I'm the one that's supposed to be asking the questions. You're supposed to be providing the answers. And we'll, we'll give you the tools that you can do so. That's right. Uh, but you also give them the authority by saying, I'm no not going to give you, you've, you've trained them that I'm not going to give you the answer. I c- I'm a sounding board. I'll give yeah. you guidance, right, if yeah. you need that help. But you, you come, be, become part of the, the solution, not just I have a problem. Well, the I, other part about that is, and if you make a mistake, it's okay. Yeah. Everything okay. is fixable, right? Everything is fixable. Everything would know that. There's no, there's absolutely. And I always tell you, like, like I said before, life's not defined to the mistakes you make. It's how you respond to them. Absolutely. Uh, I have another question for you. You know, what, what would you say? Cause you've, you know, you've been in this industry for a mighty long time. You've been a CEO for a long time. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned as the CEO? Not, cause I'm sure you've learned lessons along the way, but as a CEO, because again, I want people to duplicate yeah. your strategy and the way you think. So if you have an, if you really have an open architecture, within the organization, bad news does not age well. So if you have an issue, let's tackle it right away Mm. and let's remedy it right away because over a period of time, it'll fester, it'll get worse. And so you have to create an environment where people are not afraid Mm. to talk to you about something that went wrong because we will figure out the best way to fix it. And 99% of the time, we're going to turn that into a net positive. So if there is bad news, make sure that we get it out quick, make sure that we're fully transparent, make sure that everybody knows about it, and, th- and make sure that we're absolutely honest about it. We make mistakes. We're not perfect. And the admission of the mistakes and then figuring out how to make it right is really very important. But, but, but never try to put something in your desk drawer because you don't want to face it. Yeah, vulnerability. See, again, I th- I think truly being a great leader and a visionary is you have to show that vulnerability and think, I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect. Although, you, Jim, you and I are pretty close to perfect. Just yeah, saying. So more than I. Right. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, but right, it's it, again, it's that vulnerability. And I oftentimes think that, that leaders, executives, they think, oh, I can't show I'm vulnerable. I, I'm supposed to have all the answers. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's absurd. We're all vulnerable. And, and vulnerable makes us human. And then it also creates a drive for us to get better. I think so, too. Yeah. So the last question I always ask my guests, what advice do you have for executives that, you know, or, or really even people that are climbing the ladder, right, as, as they gain more experience and, they you know, they're able to become those leaders so, so they could start to create the vision for themselves of what kind of leader they want to be. What advice would you give so that we really can build this dynamic? Because we're talking about a dynamic culture that, sure. that fosters leadership as well as that customer journey, right? We're, we're always thinking yeah. about the customer. What would your advice be? I think it's remember uh, why you are where you are. Think about that. And if you break that out is we all have a purpose, and that purpose is not a title. That purpose is not 
an office. That purpose is a much higher purpose. It is to energize, to motivate, to empower an organization. So if you remember why you're doing what you're doing, you know, the, the power of why, right? Yeah. Uh, not, not how, but the power of why. So, you know, a lot of organizations talk about this is what we do and this is how we do it. If you start with this is why I do it, the how and the what come a lot easier. It's true because the vision becomes clear. The why is it, the why is what gets you out of bed in the morning, right? That why is what inspires you to live your life. The why is what you bring to the, or what you want to bring to the table, right? To become the best version of yourself. But yeah, the why is the most important thing. I, it's funny. I do an exercise in, in training. And one of the questions I ask people is what motivates you? And, you know, you go around the room, people say attaboys, you know, the, the recognition from their boss or the customer. Some will say money. And I, Jim, I giggle every time and I always say, I'm going to come back to you and you finish going around and then they think, what did I do? And I say, here's the, here's the reality. You don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to make a hundred dollars today. That is, I, I don't believe that's your first thought. You may wake up and think, oh, I'm going to help, you know, Mr. So-and-so today or, oh good, I, I'm working today. I'm going to be able to buy my kids new shoes for school or they can play the sport they want to, I have to do for my family. I'm going to pay for college. We need money, right? Money's energy. It's just, it allows us to live our life. But you don't wake up in the morning saying, how much money am I going to make? And if you do, this is what I tell them. If you do, Wow, your life is going to be long and hard because money, right? Money can't be the motive. Yes, we all need to make money. No doubt about it. Money's important. But but think about this is really really what defines people: how you measure wealth. It's not the money part. It's how you measure wealth. Yeah. And wealth is a full, you know, a well-rounded professional career, personal career, doing the right thing, trying to help people in the like. And if you look at all of that and that and so I'm probably one of the wealthiest people in the world because of I'm, I'm privileged to be here and, and to lead this organization. It's not it's not how many commas are behind the zeros. It's about how you measure the impact of what you can do for an awful lot of people in the world every day. And so I also call about the, the incumbency to give back. And so I'm fortunate to yeah. sit on a, a whole lot of not for profit boards. And the reason is, is because I think it's really extraordinarily important for people to do so. You know, we are we are blessed. We are extraordinarily fortunate. Um, and although, you know, time is a precious commodity, you know, 10 hours or 20 hours a month is not a lot of time to give to somebody that may need it. A hundred percent. And again, that we're blessed. And in this country, I think we're extremely blessed no that for us to sometimes pause and stop looking at what we don't have really take take a pulse on on all of the wonderful blessings we do have right um pork texas with the the, sure. the the that they didn't have they felt they felt the cold and all those things but you know a lot of a lot of colleagues that i have they were posting the things they were grateful for that yeah we don't have this but my friend brought me in or i was able to go to or you know a client sure. opened their door to me and they, these are the blessings that are priceless and we can't forget about that so yeah i love our time is up jim but can i tell you 
I, I really can talk to you all day. I think you're amazing. I think you're one of my favorite humans on this planet, by the way. Um, and I'm, I'm truly humbled to be able to be part of your organization and help create that dynamic, that number one, right? We're getting to that number one. Yep. And I'm, I'm truly privileged to be part of that, that journey with you and honored because I, I truly enjoy you. I enjoy the people that I'm working with in your organization. So I have to say thank you for that opportunity as well. Tony, thank you very much. Uh, truly uh, a pleasure. Again, we, uh, we cherish the, uh, the partnership. Uh, look forward to a long, enduring one. Great. This is, uh, you know, so, so the journey results in some people think a destination. I think the journey results in additional journeys. Yeah. Uh, again, the, the the turns. That's and that's what makes life fun, man. Let's okay. let's find those turns, right? Absolutely. So, guys, I do think you should check out the bank. Um, they're doing amazing things. Products and services are off the charts. They really are going to be the number one player out there. Um, go to manasquanbank.com. I will post that in the show notes so you guys could find it. Check them out. Jim, can I give your email, or do you prefer sure. I don't? Yeah, okay. Um, so, Jim's email. If you are an executive out there and you'd like to collaborate and, and see how Jim does things uh, because we learn from each other, go to Jay Vaccaro and it's V-A-C-C-A-R-O at Um Please check him out. Reach out to him. Become part of his his community as well. Um, you see, he's philanthropic and willing to to teach and, um, you know, help. We're all here to help. Also, if you need more Connie in your life, which I hope you do, please go to my website at WhitmanAssos.com. I have so many free resources and things out there for you guys. I truly am here um, to help you navigate whatever it is in your career that you're looking to do. Um, so please check that out as well. Jim, I thank you again. I know you're busy. I so appreciate having you on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Uh, have a wonderful and safe weekend, everybody, please. Yes, Thanks. absolutely. And you guys, I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together that growing your client base, growing your business, and being the heart-centered sales leader or heart-centered leader that you're destined to be is easier than you think. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to the Heart-Centered Sales Leader Podcast with me, your heart-centered sales leader and host, Connie Whitman. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Open your mind mind to the client relationship, to the organizational difference that you can make. Um, and like Jim just said, I'm excited and I'm honored to have you on this journey with me. Um, and I will see you all next week with another amazing guest. Jim, thank you again. Bye-bye, Connie. You've been listening to the Heart Centered Sales Leader Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to hear Connie Whitman and her expert guests share tips, tools, and strategies that can be implemented immediately. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.